Well, I'm glad to be here tonight again at Quentin Road. It's always a joy to come down and teach and preach here. Um, and by the way, you'll, you'll notice my voice is a little scratchy. And um, I've had a terrible cough, and I'm just asking the Lord to get me through the service without a coughing fit. But I have a, some medicine here from a doctor. It's called Dr. Pepper. But seriously, it helps my voice. And so I'll take a little medicine here right now. You probably don't have any preachers who bring a bottle to the pulpit. But uh, it's been helpful. Nope, I just dropped it. But anyway, come from Duluth, Minnesota, the People's Republic of Duluth. It's not the end of the world there, but you can see it from there. But God sent us there about 34 years ago, and uh, we started North Star Baptist Church uh, in a city where over the past 40 years there have been 16 attempts to get an independent Baptist church started, and by the grace of God, uh, the only one that's taken root is North Star. And uh, we're thankful for that. Anyway, I never planned or, or schooled or trained or had any ambition to write books, but about 30 years ago it started to happen. And uh, we've written, I don't know, at least 16 books, plus the full commentary that uh, our brother was talking about here tonight. Uh, we sold the, t- the copy on the table. If you would like to order one, my wife can, can handle that for you. And uh, we'll give you the discount price that you won't, you won't get anywhere else in the world. But it's an independent Baptist commentary. Uh, baptism by immersion, pre-tribulation rapture, six-day uh, literal creation. And uh, it's what this church believes. Uh, most commentaries are written by Lutherans and Presbyterians and Calvinists. But this is independent Baptist. So anyway, uh, so much for that. A book back there, I think. Uh, many would enjoy, entitled Winning People to Christ. And early in my ministry, I had the privilege to be part of two great soul-winning churches, two great evangelistic churches. And uh, uh, the Fourth Baptist Church in Minneapolis and my father's church in Pekin, Illinois. And in both those churches, evangelism and soul-winning wasn't a program, it was the program. And we saw hundreds and hundreds of people come to Christ. Anyway, this little book explains that. Uh, it's been my experience that God's people desire to witness and they desire to, to win people to Christ. But they aren't sure exactly how to break the ice and how to get started. This book tells you. Have heavenly marriage. My wife is back there somewhere. There she is. Stand up, Pam. Standing there in the back. But uh, we have had a heavenly marriage. And by the way, it's all her fault. But uh, uh, this book, was, it's been in print now for almost 30 years, by, uh, printed by the sword of the Lord, published by the sword of the Lord. But there's godly tips there for a Christian marriage. And then a book entitled Training Your Children to Turn Out Right. How we want to see our children go in the way that they should go. So anyway, there's, there's other books back there, but those are... Several that I think worth pointing out. All right, this evening, take your Bible with me, if you will, please, and turn to Psalm chapter 18 and verse 30. Psalm 18 and verse 30. We're going to read one verse this evening and embellish upon that one verse. 
Psalm 18 and verse 30 says, As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all those that trust in him. Our Father, this evening, as we look at this sweet, simple passage in your word, I would ask that you would help this preacher to glorify thy name and magnify thy word and lift up the Savior. Father, please help my voice and cough this evening through this service. And may we be a blessing to your people here tonight. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. In my view, Psalm 18 is one of the mountain peak psalms in the Bible. It was penned by David in his sunset years. And in the text before us tonight, David reflected back on number one, God's perfect way. Number two, God's proven word. And number three, God's protective care. And uh, what was true then in David's life is still true to this day. Please pardon me as I partake of my medicine. But number one tonight is God's perfect way. His way is perfect. And I would submit to you tonight that God's way of salvation is perfect. It's simple and complete. It is simply faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Trusting him and him alone for our salvation. There's nothing complicated about that. It's God's perfect plan of salvation. And it is simply by trusting in Jesus Christ. Now, there are several popular errors that proliferate across the land uh, to this day. One is that salvation is somehow or other related to getting baptized. That salvation perhaps washes away sin or washes away original sin or that in baptism we somehow become a Christian or that one receives Christ by being baptized. Well, folks, look, I'm a Baptist. I am Baptist born and Baptist bred and when I die, I'll be Baptist dead. But all the baptistry water in all the world never washed away one sin. We were building our church building years ago and the men of the church largely were doing the, the construction. And uh, they'd show up for work about, or show up at the church about four o'clock in the afternoon after their work shift and work until dark. And the neighbor from across the street uh, came and, and came over to see what was going on. Uh, his name was Bill Peterson. And he said, boy, you Baptists are a bunch of beavers out here working every night. And uh, I said, well, Bill, let me ask you something. If you die today, do you know for sure you'd go to heaven? He said, oh, my pastor told me I took care of that when I got baptized. How sad. <clears throat> How sad. Baptism it has nothing to do with getting us saved. But that air proliferates all across the Western world. And I'm afraid hell is going to be largely populated by people who had water sprinkled upon them once upon a time when they were an infant. It's an error of the devil. But there's another error uh, that proliferates, and that is by being a good guy, a good gal, God will let you into heaven. Now, up in Minnesota, they talk about being Minnesota nice. And uh, in fact, uh, I, I fly through uh, Minneapolis-St. Paul Airport, MSB. I fly through there regularly. And right in the middle of the airport, there's a, a shopping mall. And one of the stores in the mall is called Minnesota Nice. 
Now, I have no problem with someone being nice. Being a good guy, being a good gal, uh, being nice to others. But if being a good person and doing good stuff is all that's necessary, then Jesus Christ would not have to die on the cross for our sins. It's an error of the devil. Get baptized and then then be a good guy and you'll go to heaven. And that, that thought is prevalent all across the land. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of good works, lest any man should boast. And how sad when people leave this life relying on the fact, upon the fact that they got baptized once upon a time uh, in whatever mode or form, and they've tried to be a nice guy. They're in for a rude awakening. God's perfect way of salvation is by turning to and trusting in Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Praise God, his way of salvation is perfect. And it always has been, it always will be. But I'd su- suggest to you tonight also that God's way of living is perfect. We could spend the whole hour on this subject tonight. But in Titus chapter 2, we read, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. That pretty well sums up the Christian life to deny ungodliness and worldliness and to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present uh, this present world. I told the students in chapel this morning a little story, and I'll repeat it again, because there's such a problem today in Christianity of Christians uh, getting social drinking. I started my college education in a secular university. And my goal at the time was to be an electrical engineer, A, because I enjoy that sort of thing, and B, because uh, they made good money. So that was my goal in life. Well, anyway, so that year at, at Brad, Bradley University down in Peoria, took a uh, college-level engineering chemistry class. And the, uh, went for an entire year, the <clears throat> professor was a man from India by the name of Dr. Singh, S-I-N-G-H. And uh, he'd, he'd lecture on various elements of chemistry, and we got into organic chemistry. And in organic chemistry, there is several types of alcohol chemically. And Dr. Singh, and this again, this was a secular university, uh, Dr. Singh told the class that students... Uh, if you drink methyl alcohol, they used to call it wood alcohol or industrial alcohol. If you drink methyl alcohol, by morning you'll either be dead or blind. And the other major type of alcohol is ethyl alcohol, which he said you'll find in beverages. Hand goes up in the back of the room. Doctor saying, why is methyl alcohol a deadly poison and ethyl alcohol is not? I'll never forget what he said. He said, students, they're both poisons. One just works faster than the other. That we should live soberly, 
and righteously and godly in this present world. David looked back across his, his life, having lived about 70 years, and he came to the conclusion that God's way of living is perfect. We could spend so much more time there tonight, but we'll move on here. But I would also submit to you tonight that God's will for our life is perfect. Preach on that in chapel this morning to the college chapel. But in Romans 12, 2, we read, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God's will for our life is perfect. Never be afraid of God's will. It's good. It's acceptable. And it's perfect. And young people... Uh, it's been my experience after over 50 years in the ministry, but young people, Christian young people are afraid of God's will. Why, if I surrender to God's will, he may send me as a missionary to outer Mongolia or Uzbekistan. Well, maybe, but probably not. But whatever God has for you, it'll be good and acceptable and perfect. I grew up in a preacher's home. I'm a, I'm a PK preacher's kid. In fact, my grandfather was a preacher also, so I don't know if that makes me a grand PK. But when I was in high school, the last thing that I ever wanted to do was to go into the ministry. I mean, that was the bottom of the list. Uh, We had to take a class in high school called vocations. Doesn't that sound like an exciting class? And uh, in the class... The purpose was to expose us to career paths and professions and, and uh, the job opportunities and so forth. And uh, we, we took a proficiency test in there uh, about what our interests were in life. And I mean, for me, uh, I, for the ministry, it was below zero. Last thing I wanted to do. You say, oh, Brother Sorensen, you've been in the ministry now over 50 years. You must be really miserable. No. God's word or God's will is good and it's acceptable and it's perfect. And I'm not suggesting to you tonight that God's will is for you to be in the ministry. But God no doubt has a ministry for you. And whatever it is, it's good and it's acceptable and it's perfect. And so number one tonight, God's way is perfect. But number two tonight, God's proven word. Notice here in the text, as for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. It means it's been tested. It's been assayed. It's been checked out and it has stood the test of time. Yet the word of God has, Need to get some medicine here. And yet, the Bible, though it's been attacked down through the centuries, it just stands. The Romans burned it. The popes banned it. William Tyndale was burned at the stake for the crime of putting the Bible into the English language. The communists outlawed it. Christians in the old Soviet Union used to mimeograph pages out of the Bible. Uh, maybe up in an attic 
or maybe down in the basement or in some closet where they thought they'd have privacy. And um, some of you old timers here probably remember mimeograph machines. I mean, if we went back 50 years ago, all churches did their Sunday school literature and their bulletins and, and whatever literature they had. They did it on <coughs> a mimeograph machine. And, um, <coughs> pardon me. You put a stencil into a typewriter. Kids say, what's a typewriter? But uh, they put a stencil into a typewriter and you start pecking away and they, the keys would make an impression on that filmy stencil. And uh, if you made a mistake, woe be to you. Because then you had to get the correction fluid out and, and fix the boo-boo, fix the typo, and then go <laughs> and uh, try to get it to dry. And then you type the, the, the right letter and it'd usually splotch and make a worse mess than the first time. And after you had your stencil type, you put it on the drum of the machine, and the machine was filled with uh, paste, uh, paste ink, kind of like axle grease. And you begin turning the crank, ka-chunk, ka-chunk, ka-chunk. And if your church was really high-tech, you had an electric machine that went ka-chunk, ka-chunk, ka-chunk. Trust me, I've been there and done that. But these brethren in the Soviet Union would sit up in an attic and peck away on a typewriter and typing stencil to run on a mimeograph machine. Pages of the Bible. And unfortunately, the KGB would usually find them and they'd be sentenced to a gulag in Siberia for the crime of printing pages of the Bible. The liberals have questioned the word of God. They have doubted it and denied it. The Supreme Court has kicked it out of the public schools, and I'm old enough to remember when that happened. Charles Darwin has denied uh, the veracity of Scripture. uh, Vladimir Lenin laughed at it. Voltaire, the French philosopher, said the day is coming when the only place you'll find a Bible will be in a museum. Well, guess what? Today, Voltaire's house is owned by the French Bible Society, and they print Bibles out of it. The word of the Lord is tried. These men, all famous, have come and they're gone, but the Bible still stands. Every archaeological find in the Middle East has verified biblical history. That's quite a statement, but it's true. The Dead Sea Scrolls have verified the veracity of the Hebrew text. And by the way, there are more copies of the Bible in print than any other book in history. And I'll take that a step further. There are more copies of the King James Bible in print than any other book in history. And that's a, that's a fact. We read in Psalm twelve six, the words of the Lord are pure words as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. And God has seen to it that he has delivered to us his pure words. Uh, it, they were pure when it was inspired. Uh, in Psalm 19.6, says, uh, the law of the Lord is perfect. It was perfect when it was penned. It's still perfect to this day, first by inspiration and then by preservation. It changes lives to this day. I told the story in, in chapel this morning. I tell it wherever I go. If you were to come to North Star Baptist Church this Sunday, you'd be met at the door probably by a gentleman, a black gentleman, whose name is Tyrone Walker. 
And let me tell you a little about Tyrone Walker. He was and is, I should say, a convicted felon, an ex-con. He was the number two man in the Twin Cities street gangs. Uh, he was a bad dude. Spent a good part of his, his young life behind bars. His girlfriend, uh, her name was Samantha. And while he was in prison in Minnesota, she was in Chicago, walking the streets of Chicago. But she wandered into a, a homeless shelter one night and fell on her knees and cried out to God to save her. And that night, I want to tell you something, folks, Samantha Walker got saved. And when she got saved, she got saved. She went back to Minnesota. Uh, Tyrone had telephone pri privileges in the prison there. She got on the phone with him and led Tyrone to Christ. And then they got married in prison, if you can imagine that. And But they began to have Bible studies over the telephone every day. And it's a long story, but I can remember the day that Tyrone was released from prison and Samantha had gone down to the Twin Cities, picked him up and brought him, that was Wednesday, and brought him back to Duluth. And Wednesday night, he walked into North Star Baptist Church for the first time. He later told me, he said, what in the world am I doing in a church with all these white people? But Tyrone has become one of the pillars of our church, and so is Samantha. And they love the Lord. They bring more people into our services than all the rest of the church put together. They win more people to Christ than all the rest of the church put together. By the way, he's on the church staff now as the director of evangelism. Uh, during the George Floyd riots in Minneapolis several years ago, uh, he and his wife went down to Lake Street in Minneapolis, and that's where the riots were happening. Went down to Lake Street in Minneapolis and out on the street while they were rioting, he was leading people to Christ. Uh, through his job, he's involved with the uh, Duluth Seaway Port Authority. Duluth is a port city. And uh, they had big doings there last summer where they opened new facilities. And uh, the, the two United States senators were there, Senator, Senator Klobuchar and Senator, uh, Senator Smith, the governor, Governor Waltz, and the local dignitaries, the mayor and, and, and city council. Tyrone is going up to the, the, the governor of Minnesota and witnessing to his face going to Senator Klobuchar and witnessing to her face. He's a fearless witness. And he's a preacher of the gospel today, out preaching across the Midwest. Brother, if you want to have a good preacher in here for one Sunday, invite Tyrone Walker. He preached at North Star last Sunday, the pastor was on vacation. And uh, some of the people were so moved by the preaching, they, they were moved to tears. Uh, he's a powerful preacher. But my point is this. The Word of God transforms lives to this day. And he's a walking testimony of that. I remember a guy I had the privilege of working with in, in one of our churches years ago. His name was Lou Ward. And uh, later, after the fact, he came to me and said, Pastor, I want you to know I was only drunk twice in my life. Once was for seven years and the other time was for 11 years. He was an alcoholic. He was a drunk. He was a, he was a businessman, but he was about to lose his business, about to lose his wife and his family and his house, about to lose everything because of his drinking. Long story short, one day Lou Ward got saved and never touched another drop of liquor again. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. 
Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Went on to become a deacon in our church and eventually the chairman of the deacons. And turned out to be a Christian millionaire to boot. (laughs) But God's word changes lives. It's the record of God's truth to this day. Hitler's Mein Kampf has come and gone. Marx's Das Kapital has come and gone. Mao's Little Red Book, The Sayings of Chairman Mao. How many have heard of that little book? Mao's Little Red Book. One or two hands out there. Back in the late 60s and early 70s, the Chinese Communist Party published in in China uh, the sayings of Chairman Mao, Mao Zedong. And they printed one billion copies. And they advertised it as the most widely published book in history. Well, they were wrong because the King James Bible is the most widely published book. But hardly anybody here tonight has ever heard of it. But the Word of God just stands. The Word of God stands. Uh, The law of the Lord is perfect. It's absolute truth. Jesus said, thy word is truth. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Our lives are sanctified as we absorb the word of God on a regular and daily basis. And that's another whole subject in itself. Well, let's move on quickly to the third thought here this evening. Again, back to Psalm 1830. As for God, his way is perfect. The word, of, uh, the word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all those that trust in him. A buckler. A buckler was a type of shield. Rather than the, the large, you know, big shields we think of it, uh, uh, typically of a soldier's shield, a buckler was a shield that buckled literally onto the forearm. And so wherever the forearm went, the shield went. And a soldier, seeing out of the corner of his eye an arrow incoming, up went his arm and up went the shield and deflected the arrow. But here we read, he is a buckler. He is a shield to all them that trust him. I'm mindful of Genesis chapter 12 where God said to Abraham, I am thy shield. And thy exceeding great reward. God is there to protect his people. In Ephesians 6.16, there the apostle said, to take the shield of faith. Faith is a shield, trusting the Lord. And he is a buckler, a shield to those that trust him. First for salvation, we get saved by faith. But then we move on to living by faith. And I've often said over the years, I think it's easier to get saved by faith than it is to live by faith. We'll trust our eternal soul to the Lord Jesus. But then as we go down the pathway of the Christian life and it turns out to be a little more month than money, we get all bent out of shape and shook up about it. My Bible says, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. To trust him for salvation, but then trust him for the problems of life. And I don't have to tell you, folks, life is full of problems. Therefore, trust him for guidance. Trust him for strength. Now, I'll confess I've not felt good this week. And if I had my druthers, I'd just stayed home. But I was invited to speak here, and, and they were counting on me to come, and I've every service asked God to give me strength. Strength of voice and strength to subdue the cough. 
and strength to preach and teach. He's a buckler to all those that trust in him. Trust him from deliverance in trouble. I've been through incidents in life where if it was not for the grace of God, I don't think I'd be here tonight. I remember an incident some years ago. In fact, a couple of incidents some years ago. If you've been to Duluth, Minnesota, you know it's a city built on hills, kind of like San Francisco. And uh, we get wintered there. And trust me, we get the real deal when it comes to winter. And one day I was taking my wife downtown and going down a, a some kind of halfway arterial street. It was snowing and it had been snowing and it was snowing and snowing. And I figured, well, I'll lock the transmission of the car into low range or low gear and we'll just creep down the hill. And I tapped my brakes and the next thing I knew, we were going down the hill backwards. Well, that's an interesting experience. And you could see everything else coming down the hill t- toward us. They were sideways and backwards too. And I said to Pam, start praying. She said, I already am. And um, we hit a patch of, of, of solid pavement and got the car under control and turned around and went down the hill. And I don't think anybody hit anybody. Amazing. Another time, uh, we had a foster daughter back then in those years and I needed to go to Menards, I think it was January or whatever, and the streets, I thought, were dry, and uh, there wasn't any snow on the road. But I was in a hurry, driving my pickup truck, and uh, had it in two-wheel drive, and you guys know a pickup truck is a little light-ended and uh, when it's in two-wheel drive. And going down this five-lane road, I was punching it because I was in a hurry, and the next thing I knew, I was going down the road sideways across five lanes of traffic. And I could see this power pole coming right at me. It wasn't coming to me. I was going to it. And I said, Lord, help us. And in that instant, we got traction. Got the truck under control, turned around, five lanes of traffic, got back into traffic, went our own way, never hit a thing. Praise God. But he is a buckler to those that trust in him. Psalm 91 and verse 1 said, He that dwelleth, in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That is, when we're in the dead center of God's will where he'd have us to be, we're under his shadow, under his protective care. Psalm eighty four twelve. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man that trusteth in thee, trusting him. Psalm 91, 11 says, for he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all, pardon me, in all thy ways. Our guardian angels. When I get to heaven, I'm looking forward to meeting my guardian angel. And shaking his hand, I think I probably half wore him out through life. But just trust him. Come every soul by sin oppressed. There's mercy with the Lord. And he will surely give you rest by trusting in his word. David looked back over 70 years of his life. And his life was long and rich with battles and victories, with adventures and conquests. But he came to three simple conclusions. Number one, God's way is perfect. Number two, God's word is proven. And number three, God takes care of his people as they trust him. And folks, that is true today, 3,000 years later. Trust him. His way is perfect. Rely on his word.